Okay, everybody, Stephen Key here. And today I got a very special guest all the way from Singapore, Jackson Al is going to talk about his company, Mighty Jacks. He has created these amazing collectibles that people are buying all over the world. I think he sells them in over 80 different countries. Welcome, Jackson. I don't, are they toys? What do they call them, Jackson? What are they? What do you what do you do? What are they called? Oh, it's really called designer collectibles. Okay. Designer toys, if you will. All right. And we're talking to you all the way from where? Singapore, right here in Singapore. Okay. So I want to dive in. Um, like I said, thank you for coming on InventRight TV. This is pretty exciting because you're doing some really amazing things. But first of all, how old are you? Uh, I'm 32. Okay, you're 32, but you started a couple of years back. And the story goes, you started with $20,000 and you turned your company into how big? Uh, right now we're like uh, 150 people or so. Okay, yeah, and much. what's the revenue? I mean, you're doing hundreds of millions of dollars in sales, is that correct? We are, well, let me put it this way. Um, I think the last public uh, valuation was just about 200 million US or so in terms of uh, valuation. Okay. So that I can share. <laughs> it's big. It's big. Okay, that's good. That's all I need to know that you're doing very, very well. All right. I want to start this off by a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you. All right. Let's start with you. What do you do? And talk about your company, Mighty Jacks. And tell our audience, this is your time. You shine. Tell us about you. Well, this really started as a hobby, right? Sometime in 2012, like that was 21 years old, 20, 22 years old or so. And, you know, the intention was that I wanted to create collectibles that, that, that I love and I couldn't buy them on the market. And so I work with like the artists that I, that I look up to, that I follow and develop stuff with them um, just so I could have that. And in the beginning of the couple of years, uh, it, it's pretty much... Uh, slow and I think it's more like a hobby of sort like no one really wants to do this for a living <laughs> with think starting out with like two three people um and 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 it, it it progresses and I'm sure we'll go into a lot of stories later but at, at this moment right now what we seek out to do is really to build a pop culture platform that works with collectibles experiences and other aspect of you know a fan following uh, the IP that uh, they love. And so we're going to create a journey for them. So you talked a little bit about how you started. You had a, a hobby that's turned into a very large business. So did you expect that to happen? Were you planning on that or did it just happen by mistake? Uh, no, we, we most definitely did not plan for it to um, go this way as, as you would do like a checklist. Um, everything that we have been working on and as an expense, I like to do it organically. Like I don't want to force fit certain things into the business or like we have to meet certain, you know, uh, a sort of benchmark or anything like that. Like that, that was at the very beginning, right? Like we just want to create cool stuff and, and, and that was it. So you were designing stuff for you then things you wanted. Correct. It's, it's just for me. And Turns out that there are people who like them as well, and, and that helps. So how'd you come up with the name Mighty Mighty Jacks, right? How'd you come up with that name? Well, 
it was really on a you know on a win like mighty it's pretty much a, a enforcement housing or empowerment um of, of 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 you know greatness and jacks is really a a, a, a derivative from my name jackson that's it it's just mighty jacks like okay so much right. to it. thank you i was wondering that okay um i have some questions because uh we're going to cut in and show all your products right now james please show some of the products um that uh, jackson has created for his fans we're going to cut that in what i'm really interested in what my fans and what our audience really wants to know is you're big in licensing, right? And taking those brands that everybody knows, but you twist it a little bit, don't you? Sometimes you make them a little bit different. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So in the very beginning, we, we have always worked with um, individual artists and we create the, the product based off the artworks that they have. Right. And sometime in 2015, 2016, um, we started thinking about, okay, like maybe we could add a different spin to, you know, properties like, like, like classic properties. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we went on and we tried to get uh, a licensing deal from Warner brothers for DC comics. Okay. And so at a time the company was like five people, so no one's taking us very seriously. Okay. Um, and you know, we, 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 we definitely can't pay that kind of, uh, minimum guarantee that. Um, they do expect as well so if the company is small and and you don't really have the money to do it then it makes it a not quite a pro great proposition for, for 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 licenses right and so what happened is that by chance i found the email of uh the global head of toys over at uh dc comics uh, at a point of time um julian and so i emailed him a secretary replied um, and said like okay this friday come on down we got we have 30 minutes for you tell us what you want to do right and so i'm in singapore i've never been to the us so went there for the first time um drove for the first time on a wrong side of the road almost died <laughs> and reached burbank in one piece right okay. and so we'd spend 15 minutes just talking about uh life in general why do we do this and, and what is our motivation and the other 15 minutes was really to knock out like uh the 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 Final points, you know, of the of the deal, and so when I left, he shook on it and he's like, "Okay, like it's done." And I I thought you must be kidding me, like it it, it didn't just happen. And I went back, and the contract was there, and so we did a global deal with uh, DC for for the first time, and it was the first deal we ever did. Wait a minute! And, wait a minute! You're just starting out, and you even said yeah. you're kind of surprised. But they saw your vision. Is that what they saw? Because don't they usually require you to be in business a little bit longer? But they were just intrigued by your vision. Is that how they? Yes, uh, there might be something in the biscuits that I brought him. But okay. but I think that basically when we when we explain the things that we are doing, because it's very alternative. Like I I, I go with the direction of um, it's. It's not really like open up for volume right now, right? It's more okay. for the cool factor. It's more for branding and lifestyle and positioning. Okay. And so how do we bring classic characters okay. and we cross over with like um, new lifestyle brands to create that image. And so that was an interesting takeaway for him, I think. Okay, because they do a lot of licensing, I'm sure now with collectibles, right? Yeah, But you had a do. different twist to it. 
Okay. So, um, well, that's really amazing because everybody thinks that's really hard to do, but I guess it was hard to do. You, you took a plane ride, you got in the car, you got there, you pitched it and you got the deal. So I guess it was hard, but it was easy too, right? Because they saw your vision. Congratulations on that. I, 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 I think along the way, as, as, as we progress in this company, a lot of things that seem difficult and are in fact difficult, um, but the first step is really to ask for it and and maybe they'll give you and maybe they don't and whichever okay. it's uh, puts you in the same place right so i, I thought that was okay. yeah the mentality that we have okay so you got you landed the big one i would say was it easier to get the other licenses once you landed the big one was it easier oh, did you leverage that absolutely absolutely right. like it just opened up a floodgate of everyone else down the line yeah okay so let's say, let's talk about someone else. Let's say you, you licensed the Nickelodeon too, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Did you do the same thing? Did you call them up and drive out to wherever they're located and pitch it? Or did you do it on Zoom? How did you cut that deal? So Nickelodeon was also quite early. Um, I, I think with the basis of um, WB, like it, it helps that narrative a little bit better. And I realized a lot of the licensing teams and, and especially the creatives in the teams um, they do know of us and they do collect our stuff okay. like it's on their desk and so when they reach out there's a certain uh understanding and, and affinity with the brand so that that helps with the conversation but um i did i did went down to visit them uh, that was about uh, outcomes in uh, is in uh, new york yeah so, so so right smack in Times square so i remember being in their office so after you get one, you can get the other ones. Um, yeah. yeah, because you've got, let's talk about which ones you have. And we're going to show this on the screen too. You have Nickelodeon, is that correct? Nickelodeon, Warner Brothers. You have, uh, recently we have Disney. Um, we had Netflix. Um, from the Asia side of the world, you have Toei Animation, Sunreal. Um, and and basically the, 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 I guess the names that you generally see, we, we have worked with them before. Yeah. What about Formula One? Yeah, Formula One too. How does that work? That seems a little unusual. We do. Uh, so Formula One is our first deal into the sports category. Like when when we think about when we think about why people collect stuff, why why people mm -hmm. like certain things. Uh, now certain part of it may be because of the product, right? The quality of it and, and, and scarcity of it and things like that. But above everything, it's the IP that they love. And that's why they want to buy it. So it stands to reason that if we look at fandoms as a whole, you have entertainment, music, dance, uh, you know, sports and, and gaming and so on, then expanding into these different fandoms would allow us to outreach to different fan demographic and understand each category's um, okay. um, you know, desire. And so that's why we went with uh, Formula One for the first deal. That's wonderful. Um, I want to talk a little bit. I want to get back to the licensing agreements in just a minute. But I want to talk about um, a typical collector. Is there such a thing as a typical collector? Can you paint the profile? Is it young, old, male, female? Is it all over the board? Well, for us the the brand's uh, core demographic is really uh, 18 to 45 um, and i would say 65% are male okay and generally 
you know, as the 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 the, the ages uh, progress, um, you go from like ten dollar item, you know, all the way to a thousand dollar item, wow. um, as you have more disposable income. And um, like any hobby, you fall into a a, a sinking hole, right? And you just went into it; it's a black right. hole, and suddenly you want everything. And and that's how they progress. Okay. So you start them off a little bit with the lower price point and then it eventually builds. That's really interesting. Um, is the collector different in different parts of the world? Do you know that? Because I know you sell it around the world in 80 different countries. Is it different? Is a U.S. collector different than someone from, you know, Singapore or wherever in the world? Is it different? So it's, it's actually quite different. Um, what happens is that in, in our, in our, market um, you know we see we see the uh, mature markets like uh, us and hong kong perhaps because those were the uh, earlier ones right to, to utilize like designer sort of uh, crossovers so so that part of things has always been very strong for us but i think increasingly the southeast asia and and, and china side of things has been um, growing quite quickly so for example like china's demographic is a little bit different right china it's like about 70 percent female and generally they do spend at the $10 to $20 item mostly. Okay. Um, and you get much less uh, core type of collectors. Now, because the way they were introduced by brands about collectibles and, and, and licensed products, um, it's of a different nature. They go with a lower price point and it's targeted at more cutesy type of style. And therefore, you know, mostly you do see that kind of breakdown. How did you learn about the different cultures and the different people collecting? How did you figure that out? Did you have a mentor? Do you have someone that teach you, teach you to do that? How did you do that? Well, when we work with the brand owners, so their team and us, we will talk about certain uh, area of interest, right? Like these okay. are things that we found out and we share with them, but mostly it's by being on the ground because we do have a team in the different countries and and the team really helps to create localized products because they understand the environment much better and and we have to trust that they know what they're doing and and and, right. and that's how it came to be okay do you go to the, the typical licensing trade shows i know there's a big one in new york and there's a big one probably in las vegas too do you go to those shows to pick up uh, to look at different possible um products to license do you do that or no so our team do that in the earlier years and okay. usually it's hong kong um at, okay. at, at, at that time um, but this year we went to uh, las vegas as well yeah okay oh very good uh i want to talk now a little bit about um licensing agreements all right how did you um learn about them Right. Did you have someone helping you? Do you have a, a licensing attorney or is this something that you just learned along the way? Yeah, so in the very beginning, we didn't have that. So I just read it through and generally it feels good. I'll do it. But terrible advice. Right. What, what, you, what you definitely have to do is to uh, work with a, 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 well, ideally an IP lawyer of sorts. Okay. or a commercial lawyer uh it could be external and and just to make sure everything's uh you know okay. uh, fine on that end but over here right now we have a 
a team um, that are more IP trained lawyers and okay. they just uh, come through the contracts for us. Yeah. So when you're first starting out, those minimum guarantees, did they scare you? Oh, terrifying. Uh, I think absolutely. Um, well, to be honest, the, the, the WB deal that we first did, um, because it was global, uh, so it, it is a certain number. So that, that, that was about uh, in, in the mid uh, six digit or so, or, or just under. Um, so yeah, the company didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> but we are able to split the payments as well. They were kind enough to do that. Okay. Um, and, and after we went through that process, um, we sort of find a sweet spot for the MG, you know, like we are, we are able to understand um, okay. for whatever categories or for whatever geography you're, you're actually in this uh, price point. And so that everyone is very clear about that. Like, we're not overpaying, we're not underpaying, and it's like a mutual uh, okay. thing. Yeah. Um, the royalty rates, let's talk about that for a minute, because I know those probably vary per um, license that you're obtaining. And I don't need any confidential information here, please. But but some of them could be higher than others. How do you determine, do you negotiate? Because you, you, you have so many, you kind of know they're different and what you're willing to pay. Some probably have to pay more, maybe pay less. How do you handle that? Well, how much do you want it? <laughs> that, that, okay. that, is, that is the underlying thing because um, it's it's quite obvious when when some of the uh, IPs that are hot right now generally trend towards uh, uh, you know more upwards of uh, ten points or so you know um, and and going to twenty even or some yes. um, and 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 some of the emerging ones are of course is, is much lower than the fraction of it and and so the question is that for your business or for your company like which are most appropriate at this point of time? Um, what kind of exposure can you uh, let yourself go into? And, okay. and that's how we do it. All right. Yeah. Um, how do you pick um, what licenses to pick up? Is it a gut feeling or something that's trending or something that's current? But how do you pick them? Because sometimes you might pick the wrong property that doesn't, that that's maybe it's a little old and tired or, how do you pick them? So we look at the different product categories that we have. You know, we have anywhere from the blind boxes at 10 bucks to limited edition products like 200 to, to 300 bucks. And we have statues which are 800 bucks onwards, right? So each of these different categories uh, caters to different uh, demographic and, and those, those different group of people have different desire. For example, when we, when we started out, uh, it was most mostly nostalgic or nostalgia that we're selling because okay. these are these are IPs that you grew up with and now you got disposable income you want to spend a little bit on yourself right okay. things that your parents did couldn't quite get it so uh, in this case we will look at nostalgic IPs things that we grew up watching so okay. your Nickelodeon your 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 you know earlier Nickelodeon shows and stuff like that and and that's how we determine like okay this this is the right fit for it and then for like more mass market, it's it's probably something that's more relevant right now. And, and you would want um, the popular IP that is uh, showing, still showing right now to, to acquire them. So uh, that's how that's how we look at it. Yeah. Well, the ones that are really current, is that risky? Right? I mean, do you ever do a movie that's going to launch? Do you ever look at, hey, this movie's going to come out this year. I think it's going to be really popular. Do you ever do you ever do that? Or do you find that 
the true brands that have been selling for years so it's a better bet but what if it's a brand new movie do you ever you ever license anything like that uh, we've been invited for a couple of them um I would say, yeah, it's almost impossible to gauge yes. like whether it's going to work or not. Okay. Um, so we go by our feel, <laughs> like right. we like them. If we like the movie, we like the cast, then that's something that we'll do. And we did do something like that before. But hey, everyone's looking for that Star Wars and Canon do, right? Like, <laughs> you know, okay. eventually, hopefully it will be that. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the blind boxes for a minute. And, and why explain why they're so popular okay yeah so what, what are, first of all, what are, what's a blind box blind box is a it's a mystery box right essentially and and you, you will perhaps get one you definitely get one of the characters out of the whole set um but you're not sure of what you're gonna get and and so that's why it's blind and it's mystery and it adds to the excitement of collecting right okay. right the 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 site i mean blind box have existed for a very very long time and as, as far back as maybe like uh, uh in the in the 1999 or, or 2000 like it already had some form of blind box mechanism and and the thing the thing is that it, it plays to the uh, collector's psyche right because you why do you collect rest or why do you collect a whole complete set like you're complete this right so you're chasing for it and it's the fun in it it's the fun in knowing uh you don't know where it's going to come from and, and maybe you won't have a full set okay. and now you you actually have a chance to you know sort of uh, go through that journey and and and, and collect uh, you know the whole collection by 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 having blind boxes and and that adds to the fun really okay um how do you determine how many units right you, you let's talk about making them precious or making them um valuable by only doing a certain number how do you determine what that number is limited edition how do you determine that yeah this is we this this, this is interesting because we we have to look at possibly the 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 detraction of the ip or the artists that we work with right okay. so so depending on the level that they're at the awareness of things you know something that is 500 could be too much for someone but someone with 10,000 might be too little for someone and and it is kind of an art to do it so we begin by classifying the different type of ips and the kind of traction that they have and that determines the the quantity that we work with okay now that minimum that limited edition that's pretty popular isn't it keeping it special it is it is it is yeah. and yeah. and limited edition products at a lower quantity like uh, 300 500 units now commercially it might not make a lot of sense but what you're doing is building the brand value and equity right because okay. we don't want to die we don't want to dilute the market or saturate the market with too much um products we want to keep it uh, unique so that you know the collectors that buy it and and let it represent their personality could 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 have a chance to go into yeah. okay thank you um let's talk about working with some of your artists and you're creating something new the one that i really like is that you're the the gentleman that did the skeletons the, or the what the, the the jason yeah jason Freening. Yeah, explain that to me and, and James will put that up on the screen, but explain that to me because that's really fascinating and and do those 
companies like that you're changing it that much because it's a big change for their brand isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it is uh, jason you know we first worked with jason i i think must have been five or six years ago and he's he's pretty well known for his dissection of um you know characters and that shows the skeleton and and everything and so when we when we started working uh it was it was just for some of his other original works. It wasn't for the dissection part of things. Okay. And when the opportunity with um, DC came out, like that, that was that was one of the first thing that we did because we thought it makes sense. Like you could just put it on um, all the characters, right? And so, so we did. Of course, getting the design through the approval, uh, it was it was hard. It was <laughs> it was quite painful. Okay. And and that's because for the reason that you would ask this question. Uh, it's exactly that. It's, that's why it's painful for this process. Um, when we move further on to uh, work with other licenses, um, we face similar challenge as well because they don't quite understand like should they allow you know the characters to be depicted in such a manner. But as the popularity um, of the younger collectors okay. uh, you know got into Jason's work, uh, then everyone realized, oh, okay, it's a different language. Like it's not about cutesy or whatever. It's just a different language that you know talks to uh, uh, the newer generation of collectors, and and so from then on, it, it works for us. Yeah, yeah, very nice. It's very it to me. It was very intriguing. Something brand new. So they they typically give you a style guide, and sometimes you just vary from that style guide working with the designer, and hopefully you get approval. But before you make a, do you make a prototype to show them that, or is it a sketch first to get approval? We do, we do 3D printed prototypes just so they know the look and feel and we paint them as well. Okay, all right. Um, I wanna talk about NFTs for just a minute because it seems like you're combining the future with, with the present and you're selling NFTs. Could you explain how you're doing the digital and the physical and how you're bringing them together. Mm -hmm. So in, in 2018, we were introduced to blockchain as a, as a technology, right? And through that process, we design a patent pending authentication um, with hardware and software. And so what, what happens is that in each of our product, there is a chip enabled and uh, embedded that we design. And so that you could use uh, any mobile device to tap onto it and authenticate it, registering your ownership of the physical item on the blockchain. Okay. And so that helps to create provenance. And, and provenance is very, very important for our work because it's uh, limited edition collectibles. And in the secondary marketplace, it goes in value. So we want to make sure that, you know, in the next 10 years, 20 years, you know, the value could be uh, identified right appropriately and and so through that it, it it brought us to a space where hey suddenly right now we can push all kind of content and all kind of uh, information through the use of the chip and so we begin to do that we begin to design hypo casual games uh, interactivity of the characters that you bought um, and everything is distributed through uh, the chip in the in the product right, right. and and so think of it like Amiibo or Skylanders on steroids, right? Because you could you could identify you know each and every individual collectors that you have and how their passion for the IP 
uh, develop over the years because if 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 they're buying um you know uh, for example like spongebob stuff right now then it goes to um you know uh, the Sesame Street or, or whatever else, then you could chart uh, the development of uh, the, the love for the IP. And, and so that is quite important in, 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 in understanding so that we can build the right products for the right people. Got it. So can you tell us what's the future for you? What are you thinking about? I know that's a pretty big step in the future too, but it's happening now. Is there anything in your pipeline that you want everybody to know that you're working on? Or what what should they be looking for from your company mighty jacks in the in the future so this is this is at a in a timely manner because we just did a couple of deals that is not product based so we seek out to to develop uh, the full experience uh, for a fan um, on a particular ip so you could expect to journey into the spaces uh, both digital physical and going into exclusive product range that we will build for you and then after you leave the whole experience we will continue to give you certain information that's related to the item or ip that you love so we we want to design and have been building an end-to-end -end sort of experience process for each ip and and i think fans can look forward to to having that 360 immersive sort of uh, journey with us well Jackson, thank you very much for spending time with our audience on InventRight TV. Um, interesting, fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on all the way from where now? Singapore. All right. Thank you very much. And I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. Thank you, thank you everybody. Mm -hmm.